If you haven't got there already, Numbers chapter 16 this morning. <clears throat> we are doing um, an overview of the uh, Pentateuch, is, is the one we're on. I'm doing an overview of the whole Bible, but Pentateuch we're on, first five books, uh, Genesis, Ex Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And uh, we are kind of just hitting some really key stories and overview of those five books. This one is on Korah, <clears throat> chapter 16 and 17, both Numbers through 16 and 17. These two chapters uh, deal with that. And so we're going to look at these uh, together this morning. All right. All right. Uh, could, could you all stand? Do you mind standing for just a second? If you just stand. I just feel like it's going to get you warmer if you stand. And then I thought we'd sing that song, Head Down to Our Toes. Um, in fact, we'll just do the alternate version, Head and Shoulders, Knees and Toes. We'll just do that instead, all right? Some, some of this, no. We're going to find out who can touch their toes this morning, amen? All right. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, thank you for your people. I ask you now, please again, help us. Give us something from your word that we would be uh, useful for both our, our, as an individual, as well as our family, as, our, as well as our church. And uh, God, thank you again for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I appreciate it. I just wanted to make sure you're awake this morning. Number, But you know what? I don't have to worry about you sleeping today. <clears throat> it's hard to sleep when you're shivering, amen? But uh, anyway, hopefully it'll be warm by the time we get to the morning service this morning. I'm not sure why it's quite so cold in here, but uh, it could be worse. Amen. Numbers number 16. Now look at your Bible. Let's read a few verses. Verses number 1 through 4 to start us off this morning. It says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, Famous in the congregation, men of renown. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Most of us know the story of Korah. <clears throat> Korah, uh, there's several things about Korah. It's kind of interesting. Number one, he was related to Moses. And uh, the two of them, I believe, were cousins, if I remember correctly. But here, here you have a family relationship. You have a person named Korah who's a Levite, which means he's serving at the tabernacle. All right, so in our, in our uh, if I can say, paralleling with the New Testament, it would be like um, the pastor of the church and assistant uh, pastors that you'd have in the church. And maybe a degree could even be deacons. But these were prominent people in the, in, in the congregation of Israel. The, the, these weren't people that, like in our situation, wouldn't be like a person who maybe shows up for a service every once in a while. These were people who were serving in the church. These were people who were known by everybody. The Bible says they were men of renown, that, that people knew who they were. And so Korah gets this following. A person once told me that when you hire somebody, that if they cannot help you, I'm sorry, if they cannot help you, they can't hurt you. And, and there's a lot of truth in that. When a person has leadership qualities inside of them, they are people person, and they draw people, they can either help you or they can hurt you. And Korah did that, all right? He helped at the tabernacle. He was a Levite. But then it came to a place in his life that uh, because of sin, uh, obviously Korah was an unbeliever. He's mentioned in the book of Jude along with Cain and along with Balaam. Uh, of course, he went down into the earth. But here you have somebody who's doing the work of God but really didn't even know God. And, of course, causing trouble. And may our, may, there's several lessons that we can learn from this uh, that we don't want to be like Korah. We don't want to end up like Korah, all right? But Korah made a bad mistake. So here Korah, the Bible says he took men. In other words, he actively tried to get people to go against leadership. And two, he got 250 princes, people who were, again, prominent in the congregation to follow him. And they came to Moses, and of course, in verses 1 through 4, look what they said again. I'm going to just read that again, verse 3. He said, ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them. The church family, was all the congregation holy? 
Guaranteed they weren't holy because Korah wasn't even holy, all right? And so this statement here, and I like what Moses, how Moses responds to that. In verse 4 it says, And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face, and he spake unto Korah and all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy. And so here Korah, his, his thing is, is that, you know, you're, you're trying to make everybody holy and they're already holy, all right? They weren't already holy, all right? And so uh, this complaint that they have was because Korah wanted the preeminence. So verses 1 through 4, Korah and his company, verses 4 through 11, Moses' response, he tells them all to get a censer uh, and bring it before the Lord. Uh, verse number 6 uh, says this, This do take you censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense there, uh, in them before the Lord tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to keep reading. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, you sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, uh, ye sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you that, God, that the God of Israel. Now, in verse 9, you're going to notice that God did three things with Korah that he took too lightly. Seemeth it but a small thing. The first thing in verse number 9 was he separated you from the congregation of Israel. How did he separate them? The tribe of Levi, he was a Levite. The tribe of Levi was separated for the service of God. Not only the word separated, look at the next thing. To bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle. God allowed them to work at the tabernacle, service. So he says, I separated you. God gave you a service. Look what he says next. He says, uh, in the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. So he says to, to Korah, Corey, you take too much, you've taken too lightly what God's given you to do in your own life. All right, look what he says next. In verse number 10, And he hath brought thee near to him, and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also. So even though he was a Levite, he wanted Aaron's job as far as being the priest. For which cause? What cause? Because of seeking the priesthood also. For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord? And what is Aaron that ye murmur against him? All righty. In verse number 12 through verse number 15, you've got Dathan and Abiram. Um, basically, Moses calls Dathan and Abiram to come down. And Dathan and Abiram says, we're not coming down. You know, we're not following you. Moses gets upset about that. Verse number 16, uh, you have Korah and all, all Israel coming against Moses. In verse 16, and Moses said unto Korah, be thou and all thy company before the Lord. But look what he does in verse 19. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them under the door of the tabernacle. Now, just remember, I don't know if you can see the progress of this. You have Korah, who's not right with God. Then you have Korah, who gets 250 princes to follow him who are not right with God. And now he's got the entire congregation following him against Moses. Now, I, I don't know how you are, but that doesn't even make sense. Moses is the one that led them out of, out of the land of Egypt. Moses is the one that's the one speaking to the rock, hitting the rock, water coming out of the rock, manna coming down from heaven. It's Moses that does all these different, God uses an instrument to do these different miracles. And now you got the entire congregation upset with Moses. All right, Look what happens next in verse number 23. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose and went unto Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. All right, look at verse number 30. But if the Lord make a new thing, uh, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he made an end of speaking, all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth 
and swallowed them up in their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them for they said, Let the, lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 uh, men that offered incense. All right, so we see what took place as far as next. Now, I'm going to get one more thing to this passage. Again, we're not reading all the verses, but just so you understand the story. It's interesting to me that the children of Israel saw what Korah did, <clears throat> saw Korah and Dathan and Abiram and their whole tent and everything goes down into the ground. And then they still blame Moses. Look at your Bible one more time here and pick it up in, um, let's see here, pick it up in verse number 41. But on the morrow, all, not some, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, ye have killed the people of the Lord. That's your family. If the earth swallows you up, I don't think that's Moses killing them. Okay? You would think that they would have figured that out. Yeah, and because of their sin now, look what happens in verse number 49. It says, and now, verse 49, now they that died in the plague were 14,700. So 14,700 of the children of Israel now are, are going to die. And the reason they died is because they sided with the wrong person. All right, now, this morning, I want to talk to you for just a little bit about Korah. And I want you to think about some things in Korah's life so that we don't duplicate those things. All right, so here's some principles that we think we can think about about Korah. The first thing is in Numbers 16, verse 1 through 7, that where Korah took men and came up against Moses is this. I think about this. <clears throat> as far as the principles that we can learn is, first of all, follow the man of God that God's chosen. Follow the man of God that God's chosen. Now, when these lessons come along, I don't, it sometimes makes me a little uncomfortable. Maybe not so for you. Maybe, maybe it does. But, you know, church family, if I was not the pastor of Heritage Baptist Church, whoever God puts as the pastor of Heritage Baptist Church, that's who you should follow. Amen. Now, God's been very gracious to us in giving us unity in our church at such a time as this. But we have not always had unity. We have had our times of people who were prominent people in the church who caused trouble, who caused people to follow them, who caused people to leave the church. And I want to tell you something. You don't want to be a Korah. You don't want to do that. Right. <clears throat> Listen, if you've got a problem with Moses or whoever the man of God is at the time, then the first thing you're supposed to do is debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another. Amen. You've got a problem with the pastor, go talk to the pastor. Amen. Now listen, as far as I know, there are, there are no problems. So don't, I don't want five people at my door after this service, please. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've got a problem, if I'm not, if, again, I, I stress that uh, whoever the, is the pastor of the church, and again, we hope the Lord comes back, but if he doesn't, and, and uh, there's another pastor after me, and whoever that might be, best thing you can do is make sure you're loyal to the pastor. Make sure you uphold. Now, listen, Amen. you don't have to like his personality, but you have to love the word of God. Amen. All right? And so Moses, you know, there were things that people condemned Moses about, people, things they didn't like about Moses. But there was one thing you, that you could not disagree with. God led Moses. God led Moses when they came out of Egypt. God led Moses when he brought the children of Israel through the wilderness. God led Moses all the way up to the promised land. And you, that you couldn't change that fact. And I want to tell you, when it comes to being Korah, you need to follow the man of God. Can, can I just point you a couple of verses, if you don't mind? There's five things, I think, maybe six. I don't know off the top of my head because I don't necessarily study these. But there's five or six things the Bible says you're supposed to do for the man of God. Three of them are in the book of Hebrews, all right? Chapter 13 alone, all right? Look at those three with me. We'll just at least look at those three and then jump right back into the lesson here. In Hebrews chapter 13... Jump down to verse number 7. Hebrews 13, verse number 7. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, verse number 7. Let me read this with you here. Verse 7 says this. Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God. All right, what's the first word in verse number 7? 
All right, so the Bible says you're supposed to remember them which have the rule. By the way, church family, I, I can say, I don't, let me look at these real quick here, follow, obey. Yeah, all the, all the things that the, the Bible's teaching at this junction, I don't know of a person who's not, okay? I hope you understand when I teach these things. I'm not, I, I don't try to hit somebody. I don't know of anybody to hit right now, all right? Wish I did, I could tell you who it is, but I don't know, okay? But when, when it comes to the Heritage Baptist Church, you know, this church remembers their pastor. And I'm, and I'm talking about they remember me in prayer. They remember the pastor as far as special things. They remember the pastor when he's preaching out. And I'm thankful for that. But by the way, that's biblical. That's what you're supposed to do. The pastor, uh, Scott Hanks, who's the pastor of the Harris Baptist Church, is not what the somebody is. It's the office that God placed in the church. And that's why you should have a good relationship with your pastor and remember him. All right. Look what he says next here in verse number uh, seven also. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow concerning the end of their conversation. We're... Um, <clears throat> We're trying to get, Lord, I feel the Lord's direction as far as starting a church in Topeka. And it's been overwhelming as far as the fellows saying, Pastor, what do you think as far as this building? Which building do you think? And if I don't know, I tell you I don't know, okay? If God told me, I tell you God told me. I felt like, I felt like this is God's leading. And, um, but uh, again, I, I, I like that. I like it that you're doing what the Bible says, whose faith follow. There's things that faith meaning that we're going to take God at his word, do what God says. And sometimes, you know, we walk by faith, not by sight. We can't see the end. We just know what the next step is. All the fellows went out to see two buildings in Topeka here last Saturday, a week ago Saturday. And, um, and, and the one building that I got just from the response of listening to the fellows was the bigger building that they liked. And uh, somebody already put a, somebody's got a contract on that building now, by the way. So just, they just emailed me like two days after we had gone out there. And I'm not worried about that because God, God doesn't want us to have that building. He's got another building. All right. I, that I'm not worried about whatsoever. I was driving out there yesterday. Or, I'm sorry. I was driving out there two or three days ago, just driving the area. And I come across a couple, a couple of buildings I really like, but they belong to churches. So I called the churches and said, are you getting rid of your building? But anyway, um, they haven't called me back yet for some reason, but... <laughs> But they would be ideal, man. Anyway, right in the right location and preach the gospel. But, so anyway, I just believe that the Lord will give direction as he sees fit about everything. All righty? And uh, when it comes to those things, again, the pastor is not a dictator. Right. The pastor has to be the overseer and that pastor has to follow God's leading. And yes, you need to follow him. But if the pastor does anything contrary to the word of God, you stop following him. All righty? But that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about whose faith follows. Look at another thing in Hebrews chapter 13. Let me look at my Bible real quick, get my glasses on here. Verse number 18. Verse number 18 says this. Uh, uh, let's see, did I want to pick it up there? Let me pick it up in verse 17, if you don't mind. Verse 17 says this. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Now, when, I, when it comes to the scripture, I, know, uh, I notice in the scripture that when it comes to uh, authorities in our life, that there's several different types of authorities. But like, for instance, in a, like a, if you're a lady in here this morning, the uh, supreme authority is always God. But God's given us uh, other authorities in our life. For instance, if you're married, your husband should be the male authority in your life. Already, uh, When it comes to a child, uh, a, the father is supposed to be the male authority in that young lady's life. And when it comes to church... Uh, the Bible says the pastor is an authority. Now, the church, I can't speak for every other pastor, but I am very careful not to cross the boundary of the male authority when a person's married or when a person, when it comes to parental authority. I try not to cross that. And to be honest, I can't think of any time I've necessarily had to. But do you understand that God's given us different authorities in our life? And, and fellas, one of those authorities that God gives us, again, is the, is the pastor of the church. Obey them is what the Bible talks about there. Now, we don't like that terminology because of our own pride. But, but church family, God set this thing up and he knew exactly what we needed. 
All right, and so again, I hope we'll follow that. I don't have time to do the other ones. Um, verse number 18, you're supposed to pray for him, and verse number 24, you're supposed to salute him. I didn't realize all five of those were in the same passage, so I looked at it. Salute just means greet. doesn't mean please don't come up and salute, but anyway, uh, it means to greet. And by the way, I'll just say this on this. Some of you have done very well with your children and making sure that they say hi to the pastor, okay? And, uh, you know, that's very, very important that your children from a young age, they feel comfortable around the pastor. Because if they don't feel comfortable around the pastor, they're going to get to a point in their life where they disagree with you and they've got no one else to talk to. And if you want someone to back you, you better make sure they like the pastor. <laughs> so anyway, again, make sure that they talk to, uh, greet them. All right, now, those are just five things mentioned in the book of Hebrews. So the idea here is that follow the man of God that God has chosen in your life. And that's what they should have done with Moses. Moses, was he a perfect man? Moses killed a person. He wasn't perfect. All righty. So the thing is, we have to understand is the people that God's placed in our life, we should make sure we follow that authority. Now, here's the second one. Not only follow the man, the second lesson I think that we see is this, is be content with what God has chosen you to do. If you go back to Numbers chapter 16 for just a moment, and we read over it in Numbers chapter 16, but verse number nine, when he, and Moses said, seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you. You know, the problem with Korah is he was not happy with God's will for his life. Can I tell you the people who cause trouble are people who are not happy with God's will in their life? And when I say cause trouble, especially in a church type of setting, the people who, are, who, are, who cause trouble and cause division and cause dissension are usually people who are not satisfied with what God's placed in their life. And so they're looking somewhere else. Church, are we supposed to be content with what God's placed in our life to do? Now, <clears throat> this morning, uh, uh, be, you got to be careful in your life that you don't look at what others are doing and then become envious and think, well, that's what I should be doing. No, what you should be doing is God's will for your particular life, all right? God says that our, as a body of Christ that uh, is compared to the human body, and there are different members in the human body. I have fingers, I have toes, I have eyes, ears. And God says that in a church setting, he's given all of us different spiritual gifts, and we are different parts of the body, all right, which makes the body as a whole. And that's why he talks about that. Uh, in the book of Corinthians is he said, you know, the hand doesn't look at, I don't know which one it was, the hand doesn't look at the foot and say something to the effect, you know, I wish I was the foot. The hand's happy to be the hand, all right? You be happy to be what God's placed you to be, all right? Wherever it's, whatever God's got you doing, be thankful for that. That was the problem with Korah. He was not content with what God chose him to do. All right, now this next one goes along with that, and it's just a next verse in verse number 10, uh, 10 and 11. He says, and he hath brought thee near to him and all thy brother and the sons of Levi with thee. Seek ye the priesthood also for which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that she murmur against him? They, they were envious of Aaron's job. Now kind of being content and not being envious, they somewhat go hand in hand. But they started looking at people instead of looking at God. And uh, we got to be careful not to do that. You know, I wish I was the pastor. I wish you were too. Sure take a lot of, take off my plate. You know, I, I wish I was a deacon or I wish I was a Sunday school teacher or I wish I, you know, if, first of all, if you want to do something of that nature, then it ought to be at the top of your prayer list on a regular basis. God, if you want me to do this, would you please show me? All right. That's, that's all you got to say. And by the way, church family, uh, I'm really careful about praying for something I think I want. I want to pray, God, if it's your will, would you allow us to happen? Because there's things that I do want. But I want to pray, God, if it's your will, because I want to tell you something, some people make big mistakes of, you know, as my dad preached years ago, they got what they asked for, but they lost what they had. Yeah. And you want to make sure that you don't get in a situation like that. You become envious of what other people have, what other people do. A person comes to church here and they haven't been here a, a whole long time and they start looking around and they think that all marriages 
are wonderful that are inside the church, all right? They look at everybody that's going around them and, you know, you're sitting next to your husband and, you know, you're holding on to his arm and you're singing in the church service and you're smiling, but they don't go home with you. <laughs> they don't go home with you. I don't know, I was talking to the, I was talking to the college guys just this last week, Friday or Thursday, whatever it was, and I said, guys, it's really important on who you marry. <laughs> And I just want to let you know, there are no perfect marriages. And I said, Apostle Paul said in the book of Corinthians that it's okay to marry, but such shall have. And I said, and I stopped. I thought they knew the answer. Do you know the answer? Trouble. He says, if you get married, he says, such shall have trouble in the flesh. Now, we don't like to talk about those things, but it's in your Bible. All right. Now, what does that tell us? There are no perfect marriages. There are no perfect people. There are no perfect wives, no perfect husbands. And so what God does, he takes two people that are saved by the grace of God who are sinners and they puts them, to, puts them together. And then God says, okay, now listen, I want you to follow my plan and I'm gonna help, help you to have a happy, happy life. And when you don't follow my plan, you're not gonna have a happy life. The old adage of the triangle is still true. That the husband's over here, wife is over here, God is up here. The closer each get to God, the closer they become to each other. And I want to tell you something, when you've got one not getting close to God and one is, you're always, having, you're always going to have some problem inside of a person's family. Now, again, I just want to tell you that you cannot be envious of other people. But number one, you don't know really what's going on in their life. Right. All right. And by the way, I've had that happen more than once where a person comes here and says, a uh, person came to the church here and says, we're not going to come back anymore. And I said, I said did I do something wrong? Did I, did I say something that hurt your feeling? He said, no. He says, you know, we love the preaching. Uh, we, lo we love the church, but the reason we're not coming back anymore is because we don't fit in. I said, what do you mean you don't fit in? He says, our marriage is not like everybody else's marriage around here. We don't fit in. And I started laughing. <laughs> I said, let, let me assure you, those people that you see on Sunday are probably not as wonderful as you think they are. Now, I think you're wonderful. But I look at you different than an average church member. But I'm serious. I think you're wonderful. I do what they do. Some of you are idiots, but I, no, I'm just joking. Um, I think you're wonderful. You're a wonderful idiot. No, anyway. Church, all I'm trying to say is this. Is if you're not careful, you start looking at what somebody else is doing, you're going to become envious, and what you're going you're to cause trouble. And it's just because envy is as rottenness in the bones. It's what's going on in the inside that shouldn't be there. All right? Last but not least. First of all, I see that the lesson we can learn from Korah is make sure you follow the man that God has chosen. Number two, be content with what God has chosen you to do. Number three, do not be envious of what others do. All right, now think about this last one. Church family, I don't know if I'm turning, I can look at it real quick with you. Look at chapter 16 real quick. You're in chapter 16, look at verse number five again. It says, and he spake unto Korah and unto what? All his company. Verse number six, the last phrase, Korah and all what? Verse number 11, you'll see which caused both thou and all thy company. Verse number 16, and Moses said unto Korah, be thou in all thy company. Verse number 40, to be a memorial unto the children of Israel that no stranger that is not of the seed of Aaron come near to, the, to offer incense before the Lord that he be not as Korah and as his company. Now, church, I mean, the word company is mentioned several times just in this passage and I think also in the new, if I remember correctly, but I think the last thing is this, be careful that you're in the right company. Amen. All righty, be careful that you're in the right company. Now, we used to say, and there's songs that sing um, about, uh, I can't remember the title of the songs, but be, to choose your friends wisely, all right? And church, I mean, there is a choice involved, but truthfully, you choose friends by what you are, 
All right, and of course I get that from Proverbs chapter 27, verse number 19. As in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. All right, do you know why you get along with certain people? Because they're like you. Oh no, I get along with people because I just love people. No, you get along with people because there are a lot of times, and I know that we, we portray sometimes a friendliness, and a, which is appropriate as far as portraying a friendliness, but I'm talking about people that you enjoy spending time with. The people that you enjoy spending time with, doesn't matter what your age is, it's because there's a similarity inside of you that's inside of them, as in water, face answered to face. When I look into a pond, I see my reflection. And just as I can see my reflection in a pond, I see my reflection in people. There are certain people you just enjoy being around, and it's because they're like you. Now, with that said, if your heart is not right, you're going to have a tendency to like people whose heart's not right. If, you are tend if, you have a, uh, if your heart is right with God, you're going to have a tendency to want to be around people who are right with God. So really, it's almost not a matter of choosing your friends. It's a matter of being the kind of friend you should be, and that's the kind of friend you're going to draw. So I go back to uh, making sure that you're part of the right crowd is pretty important because 250 princes died. An entire congregation that followed Korah was plagued, and 14,700 of them died. It's important on who your company is, who you spend time with on a regular basis. You have to work a secular job, I understand that. You go out and you work a secular job, you're rubbing shoulders eight to 10 hours a day uh, with people, and in some cases, people who are lost. Maybe in some cases, people who are saved, but really they're not living for God. You know, I understand, you understand that you, God wants you to provide for your family. You can't just, you know, stay at home and ask the government to send you, well, maybe you could do that. I didn't think about that. If all Christians stayed home, had government send them a check. Hmm. Well, that doesn't happen in America. But anyway, um, I understand that you have to work a job and you're going to have to be with lost people on a regular basis. But I want to tell you something. You better be careful about choosing to spend time with lost people, and especially carnal Christians, uh, after hours. You say, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to be friendly. You know, God wants you to be light and salt. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God wants you to be salt. If the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? God compares the Christian as what salt does to food and what light does to darkness. I mean, there's a, there should be a difference, okay? But can I tell you something? Your light is going to become more dim and you're going to lose your salty savor if you spend so much time with lost people that they rub off on you and you don't rub off on them. That's where the significance is of make sure that the company that I'm in is not the wrong company. Now, church family, again, I, I preface, preface that uh, as far as I know, the Lord's been very gracious right now. Everything's going good in church. But I want to tell you, in times past, we've, it's not, not always gone this well. We've had in 26 years, tw two splinters, I always refer to it as two, two splinters where people got disgruntled and they were staff members of all things. Uh, and then they drew uh, families with them. But can I tell you something? <laughs> A, a disgruntled member should not feel comfortable calling you. If they feel comfortable calling you, that should be a warning flag. Something's not right. Amen. That's right. Brother Barnabas has uh, been here since he was 11 years old, right? Nine, nine years old. Nine years old. Barnabas has been here since he's nine years old. Brother Kirkland Smith is in heaven. Brother Kirkland Smith was very loyal, taught all of his children uh, to be loyal, to love the man of God. I mean, he just really trained them and ingrained that inside of them. And I have several of Brother Kirkland's ch children who work for me even today. So um, Barnabas 
uh, is very loyal to me. And I don't even have to say he's loyal to me because people know he's loyal to me. If I don't speak, oftentimes he speaks for me. If I need something taken care of, there's many, he's not even a staff member right now. And so I can't call on him. He does anything I need at any time of the day or night. I mean, he's, he's a deacon of the church now. But it's funny that even when he was younger, nobody ever called him when they didn't like me. And one day he asked me, he said, I don't know, why, I don't, how come I don't hear about those things? I said, it's because you're loyal. They're not going to call you. They're not going to tell you anything bad about me because they know you're going to get in their face and tell them, shut your mouth. You've got a problem with the pastor, go talk to him. Amen. By the way, that's what every Christian should do. Amen. All right? That's right. So again, understand that your company, the crowd that you're in is very important. Church family, this is my crowd. You're the crowd. You're the crowd I want to be around. You're the crowd I want to talk to. You're the crowd I want to eat with. You're the crowd I want to spend time with. This is the crowd I want to be a part of. And though we have to leave this building and we have to go out into the world, that's not my crowd. This is my crowd. And that's the people that I want to spend time with. And, I, and, you, can, and you, uh, you say, Pastor, sometimes I just go to work and I feel dirty coming home. I, Pastor, I go to work and I just feel discouraged coming home. Okay, I want to tell you why. Because that, that's not your home. That's not your crowd. This is your crowd. That's why you need to be in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They, you know why? Because you need to be in your crowd. Because I want to tell you something. You get in the wrong crowd, that's what happened to Korah. 250 princes died because they were wrong crowd. I found this interesting. I, I don't know if I wrote it down. Let me see if I can find it real quick here. Church, I mean, do me a favor. Let's see if I can find that real quick. Hey, turn over to Numbers 26. I just want to show you one thing and I'm done. I'm, oh man, I'm done. I got one minute. Follow me now. Numbers 26. Verse number 10. And the earth, verse 10, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. When the company died, what time the fire devoured 250 men and they became a sign. Now I want you to read verse 11 out loud with me. Ready? Verse 11 together. Notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. Now, church family, if we go back, I don't have time to do it, but if we go back to the, the number 16, you're going to find out that when the earth swallowed him up, it was Korah, and it, there was some of his family there. And same thing with Dathan and Abiram. But God specifically says in chapter 26 that notwithstanding the sons of Korah died not, you know, there were some that agreed with their dad, but there were some that didn't. There were family members that thought dad was right in going against Moses, and then there were others who didn't. You know, I want to tell you, Sometimes it's a dividing factor. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's people that you're close to. But I want to tell you something. It, it's really important on what crowd you're with because it's going to determine your destiny, Amen. where you're going to end up, what God can do with you, and what God will do for you. We need to raise our children in the right crowd because those children could be called of God someday to serve God, but they're not going to hear God's call if they're with the wrong crowd. So again, I think the last lesson, because God uses the word company so many times, is to make sure that you're with the right crowd. Let's pray together.